Hey, this is Greg of the Philly Blunt. This episode's guest is the legendary Jerry Blavitt. I grew up in the Philly area and knew of Jerry since birth. He was a major influence in the young life of my parents, uncles, aunts, and I always knew his name. To me, he was Philly's own and better version of Dick Clark. In 1953, Blavitt debuted on the original Bandstand, which was hosted by Bob Horn, where he ended up winning numerous dance contests, being a lead dancer, and then eventually head of the dance committee on Bandstand. As a teen, he managed a national tour for Danny and the Juniors and went on to be Don Rickles' personal valet. He became a DJ where he helped break artists like the Isley Brothers, Four Tops, The Temptations, Four Seasons, and countless others. He was a TV star hosting his own weekly dance show called the Disco Phonics Scene. He was lifelong friends with Sammy Davis Jr., he guest starred on television shows like The Mod Squad, The Monkees, The Tonight Show, The Joey Bishop Show. He's appeared in movies Desperately Seeking Susan, Baby It's You, and Cookie. In 1972, Blavitt purchased a nightclub at Margate. He named it Memories, where he still regularly appears. He's a member of the Philly Music Alliance's Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's got an autobiography out called You Only Rock Once My Life in Music. He was voted Best Philly Icon in a 2018 Philly Mag Readers poll. And uh, we hope you enjoy this one-of-a-kind interview with the Geeter with the Heater, the Boss with the Hot Sauce, the one and the only Jerry Blavitt. Hello and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. Hey, this is Greg. And we are psyched beyond belief. This is the holiday spectacular. This is our Christmas gift yes. to Blunt Nation. There you go. This is Santa uh, Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, like I, I had family members. I had to not say where we were doing this. They Geter, were shoot, they, Claus. Like, when they heard who we were doing, they're like, "Oh man!" They'd have been they wanted there. to show up. Yeah, my mom and her sister. We are talking about a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. We are talking about Don Rickles' former valet, Angelo Bruno's former din dinner partner, the man voted Philly's best icon by Philadelphia wait, Magazine. Wait, 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 where'd you get Angelo Bruno's? <laughs> Dinner party. The guy's dead. <laughs> what, what are you, George Anastasia? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we had him. We, we, we had, had him on the show. We had him on the show. I know. I know. We're going to cover all of it, Peter. Is that cool? <laughs> Whatever you need. Okay. My all life right. is an open book. Yes, right. sir. You've yes, written. Sir. You've written. Yeah, yeah. That's open what book. the book is called. That's you only rock once. That's you only it. rock once. Uh, please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the one and only. Geeter with the heater, the boss with the hot sauce, hot Jerry Blavitt. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. I accept the accolades. Thank you yes, very much. Yes, well earned and deserved, sir. Thank yes. you, sir. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, only appropriate that we are uh, doing this interview on December 12th, uh, Frank Sinatra's birthday. Yeah. Would have been 103 years yeah. old today. What was he, what was he like? Uh, he would never sit down with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that. Trust me. Remember that great piece we were Trust talking me. about, the Gates yeah. Elise piece? Uh, yeah, Frank yeah, Sinatra's yeah. got a cold, yeah, yeah. and everybody had to stay around him because he had a cold, and everybody had to fit in their lane, right? Absolutely. One of a kind. Yeah. So uh, you grew up um, in South Philadelphia. You grew mm -hmm. up uh, half Italian, half Jewish at a time when that wasn't widely socially accepted, right? In 1936, my mom, uh, she was a Capuano, and she was one of seven, eight kids. And after she got done cleaning, she was able to go to the Broadway theater with my Aunt Philomena. But she had to be with my Aunt Philomena, who was the oldest aunt. And they're at the Broadway theater, and there's a commotion, and there's a guy running into the theater, and then there's cops running in, looking for this guy. He sits next to an empty seat where my mother is, puts his arm around her. She's startled. She's 16 years of age. Uh, she don't move. My Aunt she don't know what's happened to my Aunt Fulamina. They're Italian. They're not used to this. And the cops don't find this guy. And next thing is that my mother hits him, Aunt Philomena hits him. He leaves. She goes to the movie every Saturday after that. And she sees him and she sees him. And she runs away and marries him. <laughs> this is maybe seven weeks later. Yeah. And back then you were not, if you married out of your faith, especially if you were Jewish and she was Catholic, you were disowned. Mm. And he was basically disowned because of the fact that he was a Jewish racketeer. Number writer, bootlegger, uh, loan shark, all that stuff. And that's 36. My sister was born in 1938. I was born in 1940. 
Uh, Dionne Warwick was born in 40, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Both the same age now. Okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, my father was in and out of our lives mm -hmm. because, you know, he bought a little place on Brancroft Street, which was basically a bookie joint. And uh, he was in and out, in and out. So my mother had to get a job as a riveter during the Second World War. And so she would ship us off by day. Day nursery picked up at 4 o'clock. Dinner at my grandmother's house on McKean Street. Going to the house on Bancroft Street, which by 6 o'clock at night was turned over to just a house. Not a bookie joint, not bootlegging, nothing illicit. Only during the daytime. <laughs> so so your dad would, would be doing these things at the house yeah, during, during the, the day? Yeah, during the day. Oh, sure. So you're saying he's, he's doing, uh, you well, know. Well, there were bookies. They would have right. phones there right. and all of that stuff. So he what, had, what are he they had most a time limit where he said, that's it, my kids are coming home. It's, it's yeah, done. that yeah. was part of the deal, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so was he, what, betting on horses, boxing? What, what was? But they would, whatever it was at the time, whether it was a championship boxing thing, every day there was something on numbers. You could place numbers and all that stuff. So... At age 13, go on a bandstand, which is that time is Bob Horn's bandstand. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And you, uh, you, you snuck in because you were underage. What happened was my uncles, uh, there was always music in the Italian family. And uh, I always loved radio. And my grandparents were very successful. They were in the ice business and the coal business, of which my father was able to put them in with stops. Okay, and they had a big radio, one of these big radios. And when I would get out of day nursery school, I would go over to the radio because my grandmother spoke Italian and I would speak Italian. And I would fool around with the dials and I would hear Kaniwa Fury of the Lone Ranger. I would hear, you know, uh, the Shadow, who knows what. He, I would hear all these wonderful little serials, you know, and especially the one with Straight Arrow. He was a Comanche Indian who uh, would go into this cave and became a rancher. And whenever there was problems between the Indian and the white man, he would ride out as a Comanche warrior. And uh, as a matter of fact, the same people who created, I believe, the Lone Ranger, created this series. And it was sponsored by Nabisco. So radio always tweaked my imagination. And I love the shadow. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. The shadow. Mild Manor, Lamont, Cranston, and Blue Coal was the sponsor. So radio always tweaked me. And the Lone Ranger and all that. So I was like really into radio uh, at nine, ten years old. And I remember going to the corner store. Uh, there was a girl there, a woman, an old Jewish woman. And back then they called her Jew Sarah. There was nothing wrong back then. Everybody, she loved it. Everybody, oh, we're going to go to Jew Sarah's, you know, for, for fountain, this and that. And she would allow me to read, because I was Jewish, and she allowed me to read in the back the comic books, but the treasure, classic comic books, not the regular comics book. The classics were the ones where there were James Fenimore Cooper, okay. The Deerslayer, Last of the Mohicans. There were comic books with stories, Ivanhoe, all of that. So I would be reading that, and I then I heard music. And one day... Uh, Do you remember the first thing that you heard, the first song that you heard that sort of uh, perched your ears up? First song that I heard was a song called uh, Ain't That a Shame. Okay, uh, and it was Fats by Domino? Fats Domino. But it's interesting because uh, actually the first song that I really heard, which hit me, was a song called You Belong to Me. 1952 by Joe Stafford. Just remember when a dream appears, you belong to me. Years later, as you know, the Duprees recorded it. And I played the Dupree's version, mixing it with Joe Stafford's version, you see. So there was always music. There was always radio. And one day, my uncle Jimmy was with a group. Uh, they had a record. They appeared on the show Bandstand. It's 1953. And it was mandatory 
that you stayed in the house and see him and his group on bandstand. So all my cousins and my aunts, I mean, and so this is the first time I see kids dancing on, on TV. So I said, wow, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Because I danced all the time, you know, in the Italian. You're probably looking family. at them like they ain't got no soul, no, no question about it. <laughs> so I was with a bunch of guys. We used to hang on the corner, play half ball football. And I said, you know, one of the kids that lived up on Bancroft Street, her girl was, her name was Joe Mazzu. She was a dancer on bandstand. So they said, we all know Joe Mazzu. Let's go up to bandstand. So I, they were much older than me, these kids. They were 14, 15. I was 13, but I always hung with older people. Mm. So we snuck in, lines around the corner. But I went through the back where the cameramen would go, mm. where the employees would go. And when we got there, the show's already in progress. And there's a dance contest going on. Joe Mizzou is there. I grabbed Joe Mizzou. I said, come on, let's get into this dance contest. And she was like a regular. We got in it, won the dance contest. Nice. <laughs> now, what kind of dances are you doing? Jitterbug. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jitterbug. Mm -hmm. Everybody, that's all you did back then. Okay. Jitterbug, mang, ma, mambo, cha-cha. Uh, mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, There was no Bristol Stomp. There was no line dances, which I developed later on in my career with the mm -hmm. kids. So... Uh, we went there, yeah. That's. I the found picture. this picture of uh, yeah. him on bandstand from 1955. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Looking sharp as always, man. <laughs> now, is, that, man. Is, is that Joe? That's Joe Mizzou. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I have the, a question we'll about this, this picture. On the Facebook and page. even now, have you always been like the sense of style? You've always been a very stylish well, gentleman. Looks so good. I, I always yeah, learned. Look great. I learned that from my mother. I couldn't mm -hmm. go out of the house mm -hmm. if my hair wasn't combed, mm -hmm. if I didn't have my tie right. And you know, when I was born, I was born with atrial septum defect, a hole in the heart, mm -hmm. uh, and murmur, which goes along with that, and rheumatic fever. Jeez. So, yeah, I wasn't allowed to play any sports, mm. you know. So, my mother always made sure in the morning, I'd have to get, before I went to dinner school, she'd give me a, a raw egg. And she'd prick the egg, and I had to drink the raw egg, mm. okay? Every morning, every morning. So she was the real influence mm. as far as the one. My father, God bless him, he was in and out, in right. and the greatest. I right. mean, I, I knew what he was. Mm -hmm. You know, he would pick me and my sister up on Friday from St. Monica's and take us uptown to all of the joints, Lou Tendler's, uh, places like the Warwick Man, mm. and anything we wanted, anything we wanted. Cause it, and then... Now, Lou Tendler's, that was the sports bar on Broad Street? Lou Tendler was Broad and Locust, where all the yeah. racket guys would have. Right, yeah. So everybody, did, right, all the Jewish guys. Did everybody know your dad when he rolled in? They knew him. They knew him as the Gimp. Yeah. They, mm. There's the Gimp's kids, you know. Mm. So we would see him on a Friday, you know. And uh, that's the way it began. I mean, so when I went to the bandstand, won the Jitterbug contest, uh, I was getting fan mail, mm. became a regular, got into another dance contest, won that. And that was a cha-cha contest. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm doing with... That's uh, a picture? That's cha -cha. the picture, cha-cha, mm -hmm. out of Jitterbug. And Bob Horn now found out that I wasn't 14. So he said to me, look, did you lie getting in here? I said, no, I didn't tell anybody my age. I just won in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said, well, when are you going to be 14? I said, I'm going to be 14 in another two months. I said, okay, no more, no more contest. He said, people are starting to think now that this is fixed. He said, so what we want you to do... Because <laughs> you kept winning. Yeah, wait, I wait, was winning. Wait, I mean, were, you, I, were you practicing? I, I had a natural rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even today, you, my, my rhythm is a natural rhythm. Yeah. When I'm behind the board doing my radio show, my rhythm gets me in the song. Mm-hmm. Out of the song. Uh. So I go with the rhythm of the song. If the song is up, good God. If the song is down, <laughs> by the grace of God, there go I. Oh, man. A young teenager. Hark to the sound I'm putting down. Mm -hmm. I've got real sad news for you. Your vacation days are through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so... You're it, a bad, it, bad it, man, It's it it all, all of that. So can, can we go back to the young teens? Yeah, How sure. did you come up with that? And what does when it mean I, for people who I don't know? When I went on radio, again, you got to read the book. You only rock once. 
bandstand, became the head of the committee. I got paid $15 a week to select the music, to rotate the dancers, and when the guest stars would come in back then, Perry Cuomo, the DeCastro sisters, Patti Page, uh, Sammy Davis, I was the guy that had to get off the dance floor because the show was a live show and say to Vic Damone, Vic, Bob Horn says we have company, that's the spot. He's going to say that right after this record. Mm. So that happened, and one day I'm doing that, and there's a little guy waiting to get on, and I get off, and I say, uh, uh, when Bob says you're, that's the spot, he says to me, man, where'd you learn how to dance like that? I looked at him. I said, man, I'm from South Philly. Mm -hmm. Everybody dances like that. Mm -hmm. He said, man, you're like a little white me. I said, what? With Sammy Davis Jr. Wow. <laughs> okay? Now, remember, I'm 15 years of age. Right. And we became dear friends to the day he died. Mm -hmm. He died 1990, May the 16th. Mm -hmm. I was there when we zipped him up and got him out yeah. through the back with no pictures. Because yeah. what we did, we called the Flower Company. And because there were reporters outside, TV cameras outside, because Jerry Lewis did an interview saying, oh, my friend Sammy's dying, he's in a comatose position, he's not gonna last another day. He opened up where everybody was outside, better right. the canyon. Right. So how do we get the body out? I said to Altavis, who, was who I was their best man, I said to Altavis, who married Sammy, look, you got all these flowers every day, the truck comes with flowers call up the service tell them to bring an empty truck mm. alright and take out these flowers they came backed up at 8 o'clock in the morning in the back of the garage we took Sammy's little body put it in with the me my Brit was there Sammy's kids were there Mark and all them you know and Stacy and Jeff and you never saw a picture no. of Sammy Davis mm -hmm. dying or in a deathbed right. you've never saw it. with Frank if you remember that they, they had pictures of him in the National Enquirer right, right. you know all that stuff yeah. so that's where my life began mm -hmm. Bandstam Sammy all of my life my dear friend mm -hmm. uh, Bob Horn loses the show Dick Clark is going to be the new host did you know Dick Clark at that time? Yeah, Dick Clark, we knew him, but he was he was a radio announcer. Mm -hmm. And he would do Bars Diamond Theater. Uh, we would do the commercials. Okay. And what happened is Bob Horn got fired. I'm making $15 a week. They say to me, I'm the head of the committee. They say, look, we're going to cool it for a while until the heat dies down. He was arrested for drunken driving. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later... He's not on the show. Tony Mamorello, who's the producer, is doing the show. I'm still doing my duties, rotating the kids on the dance floor, picking the records, greeting guys that are stars coming in, the guests. Tony says to me, Bob's not coming back. I said, what do you mean he's not coming back? Well, he's, they're going to have him do the radio show because he had a morning show called Bandstand on Radio, and then he had the TV show Bandstand. They had a contract with him which they just signed. They're going to honor the contract and give him the money, but he's not going to do the TV show. Dick Clark is going to do it. I said, we don't know Dick Clark. We know he, but what's he, you know, it's not fair. We want you to meet Dick Clark. Okay. I meet Dick Clark. Dick Clark says to me, look, I want you to do the same thing. This show may go network this summer. If it does go network, you're getting $15, we'll give you $30. Mm. I said, I don't want your money. We want Bob Horn back. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy, to me, it was an injustice. Right, right. I well, mean, you saw Bob Horn almost as a father figure. He right? was, a, I would spend weekends with him. Right. right. I never, my father, I had many different fathers other than my real father. Mm. I had the promotion guys that were my friends, I had the record guys that were my friends, because I always had an ear for music, and they would come to me. What do you think of this record? What do you think of that record? What do you think of that? And I would pick records for them and they would get played. Mm -hmm. So I decided to lead a picket with all the regular kids, mm -hmm. 1956. Mm -hmm. So I lead a picket, there's pictures of that. Right. And they come out, they're panicking. There's no kids going in. How are you gonna do a dance show with no kids? Right. 
Next thing I know, cops come. I get pinched. I'm 16 years old. They take me away. <laughs> they put me in 54th and Pine. Oh, My wow. father comes. He's yelling, beep, get him out, take him out. They take me out. You got nothing on him, beep, beep, about. As we're driving away, we stop at a place called Pop Singers, and they got bandstand on. And all the kids that I was the head of the committee mm. are now dancing with Dick Clark. Wow. <laughs> so that was the end of my TV career on bandstand. Right. Mm -hmm. But Bob Horn's manager was Nat Sigel. And Nat Sigel was partners with a record company called Sound and Team with Bob Horn and Bernie Lowe. They had Gloria Mann, they had Freddie Bell and the Bell Boys, they had Doc Stark and the Night Riders, big label, Sound and Team. It eventually became Cameo Parkway. Okay. Bob Horn had a piece of that. When Dick came over, it became Cameo Parkway. Dick Clark had a piece of it. Nat Sigel was partners. I became very close with Nat during the Bob Horn days. So he had a club, he was a booking agent called the Celebrity Room, Juniper Street, and a place called Chubby's in Jersey. These are clubs. And the Latin Casino. Sure, I was gonna ask you about right, the Latin about Casino, the, kind of a famous- Very social yeah, club. Yeah. So I would spend, now remember, I'm not dancing anymore. I got time on my hand. I'd be going to his office. He says to me, look, I got a comedian coming in. Uh, I want you to take care of him. His name was Don Rickles. <laughs> when he says take care of him, because Nat had to go to all of the other clubs. So I would have to make sure that Rickles was at the Sylvania Hotel on time, that he was at the club around the corner on time, and we became very, very close. I used to take him to the Erie Social, and he became, I became his valet. Mm. Whenever he was in New York, he'd call me, I'm going to do a gig. I want you up here help me with the tuxedo, baby, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So you got Don Rickles. Now Nat has a group called Danny and the Juniors. He also managed, beside being a booking agent, Gloria Mann, mm -hmm. Sandy Stewart, mm -hmm. uh, the Dovells, Danny and the Juniors. He says, I can't go on the road. I want you to go on the road as a road manager with them. He says, you're going to get $70 a week. You're gonna have to take care of them. You gotta handle the money. What's going on with school at this time? Well, that's in the yeah, book. What's, yeah, I'm like, what, <laughs> what happened in the book? I was, I became a school officer mm -hmm. at Southeast Catholic, which became Bishop Newman, and I would take the priest out to dinner, and you know, I go to New York, take him to New York, and I had a hernia, which I really had. So I said to Father Cox and Father Coop, Father Polini, they used to love to go to the Statler Hilton Hotel during the holidays, Christmas time. I had to do the Alan Freed show with Danny and the Juniors. Alan Freed, the guy that coined rock and roll, right, right? Right, But he had the holiday show at the Paramount, New York Paramount. So I know that I'm going to have to go on the road right after the show for 26 days, one-nighters. So I invited Father Polini, Father Cox, up to the Statler Hotel, picked up the tab, and how old are you right yeah. now? How old are you? <laughs> I was seventeen. Wow! <laughs> man. Wow! Wow! So they used to like to go to a restaurant called the Headquarters. The chef of the Headquarters was MacArthur's chef. Big restaurant. They wanted to go there. I would take them there. The pictures of all of the MacArthur and all the Patton and all that. Mm. So, you know, I said to them, listen, Father, you know, I, I got to be out of school for about 23 days. They said... I got I to gotta handle Don Rickles' tuxedo, uh, yeah. so I'm not going to be able to make it in for a few weeks. Who wants you to don't mind. math class? You, hey, yeah. let me get you a steak. <laughs> but, you don't mind. But the funny thing is because they said, well, how can we allow you to do that? I said, well, you know, I've got a hernia. I'm going to need an operation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Can yeah. you get a doctor's thing stating that you... I said, sure. <laughs> I mean, 
because I'm going to go. I'm I got, go I got people. I'm going. And by the way, I, I did. Yeah, because I, I eventually did go in to get the hernia repaired. Right. You, right, you right. took the doctor out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> he gave you a note. Listen, the doctor was a Jewish doctor. Yeah. yeah. He was friends with friends, and it, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. right, I'm sure. not going to mention his name, but right, right, right. very so, famous doctor. While all this is going on, like, how are the kids in your neighborhood? They must have treated you like a god, man. Well, I never stayed in my neighborhood. Yeah. I always went uptown. Mm-hmm. I never stayed in my neighborhood. Mm. When I became on the road with Rickles mm-hmm. and when I with Danny and the Juniors, I would, I'd be in and out. I'd, yeah. be, I'd, be, I'd be in New York. You know, I mean, I was, uh, I lived in New York when I was like 17, 18 years of age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, uh, I lived at 1906 at Bancroft. By that time, my mother and father were divorced, okay? Uh, and my mother remarried. And I never really got along with my stepfather. Same you know, here. Yeah. yeah, because he thought that I was uh, what you, a big big guy. Because yeah, I dress, you know. And I'd always dress older. And I'd always sneak into bars older. Mm. And I'd be with older guys. I never hung with guys my age. Mm. I always wanted to learn from the older guys. God bless the Italians. My, my, my grandfather and my uncles, they'd be playing bocce up the street with T-shirts on. I go uptown, Jewish guys be drinking scotch and soda, man, dressed to the T, mm. and that's what I emulated. Yeah. That's what I emulated. I always wanted to be more than what I was at the time. Mm. Yeah. You did a lot of sneaking around, sneaking in the bar, no, sneaking I, in the bandstand. No, I, I just did it naturally. I never <laughs> snuck in. I, I'm a natural you, you, type you of guy. Like you belong, belong there, so you yeah, went. Yeah, I mean, yeah. now if they're going to throw me out, I ain't going to beef. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Nobody ever said, hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> Until the time when... Horn said, you, you, you weren't 14. I said, no. Well, I'm not going to lie to him. Right. I didn't lie to you. I mean, right. You didn't ask. I just was here. Right. So I read that Chuck Berry needed a female companion. Yeah. How old were you when you did this? This was at Memories of Margaret. I bought Memories in 1972. Uh, and it originally was the Elbow Room, and I worked there as the Elbow Room as an artist. Yeah. I had my own band called The Geeter and the Geeter Men, mm-hmm. and I used to pack this joint during the wintertime. So when the opportunity came for me, and Margate, when the opportunity came for me to buy this, I bought the club, and I changed it to Memories, mm-hmm. and I would bring in artists. And I would bring in Ronnie Spector, I would bring in Hank Ballard, I would bring the Drifters, the Platters. At that time, my budget was $2,000, which was a lot of money for them in 72. And I had the Margate Mariner, and I would put them up at the Margate Mariner next door for nothing. So I called Little Richard, who was a friend. Now, you got to understand, I knew all these guys when I was on the road, traveling with Danny and the Juniors. Mm. And when I did my TV show, I called Richard up. Because I used them in Wildwood. I said, listen, Memorial Day weekend, I want you to come in. He says, well, Gita, I need some money. I said, look, what do you want? He says, I want (laughs) $10,000. I said, no problem. He says, but I can do it for that because my routing. I said, okay, no problem. He says, can you send the agency in Nashville that was handling him 5,000 deposit? Now, my word is my bond. I don't need no contract. I said, Richard, no problem. I wire the money from my bank to Nashville. Eight days before the engagement, there's no contract. So I called the agent. He said, well, look, there's a problem here because all the other dates that he was going to do up to your data fell out. I said, okay, I get Richard on the phone. I said, Richard, why did you tell me you got a problem? Well, I still want to do it, but I'm going to need more than 10000 I said, Richard, that's not going to work. You made a deal. Yep, that's it. Well, how about it? I called then Walter Annenberg, who had a private jet. Cause he was I, like the head of CBS? or He was Triangle Publication. Okay. Family owned WFIL. I, I was very close to that family because I worked for him. And he became the ambassador, as you know, of England. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and he said, well, Gator, certainly, but you know how much gasoline costs? <laughs> he said, you could have my, my pilot, but you're going to have to pay for the gasoline. And put it off in California, California. I said, wait, no, it's not going to work. So I said to Richard, Richard, 
done. I want my five G's back. Oh, I spent it. I spent it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to make a long story short, I did get it back mm-hmm. after I sued him. Right. Okay. I got it back when he was in Atlantic City and got hot. My guys went in the lawyers that we had, and they had an injunction, federal injunction. His lawyers, when we filed the case, didn't even show up to fight it. It was like no contention. Right. So, what am I going to do eight days before I'm doing advertisement? Right. I call Chuck up. <laughs> Say, Chuck, I got Because, pl- sure. I mean, when you can't get little Richard, you just call the father of rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. you got him on your Rolodex. Right, right, Why not right, call him? Right, right. So, I call him in Berry Park. He says, okay. He said, what were, you, what, what were you going to give Richard? I said, 10 Gs. He said, that's what I want. Sure. <laughs> said, but I want the cash, and I want somebody to fly out to Chicago. The guy I spoke to, Mike McCourt, who's my musical director, is the guy. I gave him 5000 I said, go to Chicago. Make sure that Chuck gets on the plane. You don't give him the 5000 You show up. I called a couple of guys in Chicago that my dad knew. Mike McCourt met them. They picked Chuck Berry up, took him to the plane, they gave him the money, cash, put him on a plane. He gets off the plane, it's pouring rain, went into New York, because there was nothing in Atlantic City. Mike rents a car, brings him in, pouring rain. (laughs) He says to Mike, Tell the Dieter, you know, I, I need some companionship. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he didn't in. say it like that, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, he gets me on the phone. Mike says, what am I going to do with this guy? I said, take him to the motel. Let me talk to him. Dieter, you know what I need? I said, you got it. He said, but she can't be a hooker. Now, listen, this is what he's saying to me. Right, right, right. She got to be young. Right. Blonde, ponytail. Mm. Oh, she got to be a fan. He says to me. <laughs> so you gotta go. Uh, gotta of, really? of him or you? I want to listen, listen to my records before she, anything she, starts. Got to be a fan. Yeah. So I call. I call my friend Skinny Damata, <laughs> who's got the five hundred. I said, Skinny, I need bop, but a boop, but a beep, but a bop. He said, "This is our best episode, by the way, <laughs> yeah, by right. far." He yeah. said, "Peter, somebody that's a fan, beep, but a bop, but a boop." I said, look, these are the songs. Sweet Little Rock and Roller, <laughs> Rock and Roll Music, <laughs> Maybelline. Maybelline. I'll give you four or five songs that are easy for her to remember. Right. <laughs> so he goes to the rehearsal. It's raining. And in comes this little blonde who says, oh, my God, Chuck Berry. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to see your show tonight. Oh, this is a rehearsal. Rehearsal's over. <laughs> he goes up to the room with this little rock and roll girl. <laughs> yeah. And he does the show, and he's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> he does not want anybody that knows his music backing him up. He wants to come on, and he wants you to pick up a pickup group of young kids that are supposed to know his music, and they're going to back him up. Why, because he didn't want to pay a band? No. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and he's yelling at them, wrong key, wrong key. <laughs> he's playing my dingling, my dingling, my wrong ding-a-ling. key, wrong key. <laughs> well, it was such a pain in the ass that at the end of the night, somebody stole his guitar. <clears throat> you don't know what You don't know anything there. about that. Yeah, all, all I know is he went up to the room, and, and when he came back into the club, the guitar was gone. Mm-hmm. And place is packed. I said, somebody's up. I said, oh. I said, really? I said, I closed the door. Nobody's getting out until we find Chuck Berry's guitar. One of my guys went to another musician and bought a guitar that looked like it and gave it to Chuck. He said, they ain't my guitar. I said, well, this is the one you said was stolen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Incredible. Oh, wow. Incredible. Listen, you got to tell your, your listeners to get the book. Yes, yeah, we so will. We're going to push it. We're going to push it for you. Wait, wait. Well, guys, trust us. Trust us. Listen, 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 it's a great book. Everything that I am telling you is in the book. You know kids today, though. They don't read. Yeah. Well, listen, they got it's an audio. Audio, too. 
There's something I did see reading the book that I wanted to ask you about, and that was that you know you got a little bit of a pushback for pushing, you know, a lot of back in the day the the black yeah, artists would record yeah, a song, yeah, yeah. white group would cover it, yeah. everyone would play the white group, you would play the the actual well, song. You see, I'm a dancer. Yeah. So when I heard Pat Boone going, ain't that a shame? And Richard doing wop bop a doo bop, and he's going wop bop a doo bop. <laughs> well, I can't dance to Pat Boone. Right, right. right. I got to go with the real deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I always heard, I give you the Kokomo. Gene and Eunice, don't you know, I love you so, Perry Como, don't you know, I love you so, they had the hit, because they had national distribution, and I went on the radio, and started to play The Real Deal, and when Dick Clark, Dick Clark became a big friend of mine, he used to listen to the radio show mm-hmm. because all the kids on bandstand now were listening to me mm-hmm. when I went on the radio. Right. And they're hearing me play Twist and Shout. Mm-hmm. They're hearing me playing He's So Fine. Mm-hmm. They're hearing Party Lights by Claudine Clark. Mm-hmm. Nobody's playing this. Mm-hmm. So they say to Dick, Jerry played this song. Dick Clark would call me and say, what's that song you're playing? You're playing a song by, by a, a song called Sherry. Who's it by? Mm-hmm. I said, it's by the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. And that's another interesting story mm-hmm. about that. In 1962, the end of 62, I'm in Florida at a record convention. Mm -hmm. Bob Crew, who I knew, who had a song called Silhouettes. Mm -hmm. Silhouettes, Silhouettes, Silhouettes. He was a producer. We're at the Fountain Blue, go to the bar, four o'clock in the afternoon. He says, I want you to hear something. He plays me this demo. He had one of these little trollers Emerson had where you carried it with you. I said, this thing's a smash. He said, I'm going to go see Morris Levy. Morris was told to listen to it, perhaps maybe take it for roulette. Mm -hmm. I said, tell Morris, I think it's a smash. Mm -hmm. Eight o'clock at night, coming down to have dinner, Bob Cruz at the bar. He's getting drunk. I said, yo, my man, you made a score. He said, score my ass. <laughs> he said, Morris said to me, this is the worst piece of shit he ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and tell the Geeter he lost his ear. Oh, man. Wow. Now, oh, I, man. Say, I say to the bartender, give me a house phone. <laughs> Abner Hewitt, mm-hmm. who owns VJ Records, I call Abner. I said, Abner, I want you to hear something. It's a hit. I said, man, come on, bring, bring it up. We go into the room. It's got two suites. One suite, the hookers, the guys are running around, the disc jockeys are running around. He takes me into his big suite with these big speakers. He puts it on the turntable. I mean, but these are big speakers. Mm-hmm. He says, after like 10, 15 seconds, 16 bars, he says, Dieter, man, I like this. I think you're right. He plays with me. He says, man, this is a smash. Mm-hmm. Who are these guys? Well, it's a combination between the four lovers mm-hmm. And the royal teens, Abner says to me, white? Yeah. Abner says, Peter, we're a black label. Mm. I said, Abner, what, what does music have to do with color? Right. He said, yeah, but we don't get white play. If it wasn't for you doing us the crossover by playing it, and then mm. the other cats got on it. Right. It, I said, Ab, the records are hit. Mm. I'm said, giving it to you. Yeah. He says, Get, I don't know. I said, I'm going to prove it to you. Mm-hmm. I went back to Philly. I took the demo mm-hmm. and I played it three times a night. Now, the kids are calling record stores for this record. Mm-hmm. The name of the record is called Sherry. Mm-hmm. The group is called The Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. No record store, they can't find it. Mm-hmm. They're calling record distributors up. Mm-hmm. They're called Mainline. Mainline is VJ's record distributor. Mm-hmm. Barry Golner calls me up. He says, you're playing this record by the Four Seasons. I said, yeah. He said, who is it? I said, the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. He said, what label? I said, it should have been Abner's VJ label. Mm-hmm. He said, what? 
I said Abner was afraid because it was a white group, mm-hmm. and he was they didn't have any white artists. Right. BJ, Abner calls me. He says, "Got it. Going to make a deal." He said, "You'll have points on it." I said, "Ab, I didn't do it for, for the money. I don't. Right. I don't take money. I play money from a heart, right. not a research track. Right. That's never my game. I want the freedom for me to play what I want mm-hmm. for my audience. Mm-hmm. If I like it, I'm going to share it. If I don't like it, I'm not going to play. play it, right? You know how many guys came to me." I'll give you another story Bert Burns stops me He says I want you to hear something I just did In eight minutes mm-hmm. I said how can you do this in eight minutes He said it was at the end of a session That we had we had session time He said Ronnie was in town The Osleys He said I rushed the brothers in And in eight minutes we did the song Twist and Shout wow. wow I take it there was no B-side the other side was just the instrumental right. called the Latino Walk, they called mm-hmm. it. So because I had the freedom to play the music that I felt, mm-hmm. and I knew my audience, right. my audience and I have always been one. I, I never played the Beatles. Mm. I mean, I, I was going to ask you about that because it was, you know, you, you've got the show, you've got the radio show, you've got the TV show, and you're playing all these hits that everybody loves, and then all of a sudden you hit kind of that era in the late 60s where, where the popular music changed pretty quickly. He's so right? anti-British invasion. Listen, let me tell you what happened. It's the same thing I was telling you a little while ago about Pat Boone covering mm-hmm. Little Richard or somebody covering Laverne Baker. Mm-hmm. The Beatles were covering American artists. Right. And when I first heard, she loves you, yeah, 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 I want to hold your hand, that wasn't rock and roll to me. So I didn't play any of that. Right. What do you call it, though? What do you call it? You got a name for it? I read bubble gum. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Bubble gum. (laughs) That's bubble gum. Yeah. So, because Format Radio jumped in, they played all English. None of the American artists we're getting airplay mm. because 40 radio format only played 40 records. Right. Now, if they're all Herman's Hermits, The Beatles, Manfred Mann, Dave Clark Five, mm. Peter and Gordon, all I don't of a even sudden, know half the so, so <laughs> did, did, did they want, because a lot of those guys that you're talking about, they basically took sort of black rock and roll in well, America sure. and they. Britishized it. What? <laughs> was it? Was that? It was bubblegum, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what you see as the British invasion? Is that them basically stealing American music th- and making it white? Not only that, but to me, the injustice was that the American artists were not getting the airplay. Right. right. So many of them, all of a sudden, became one-hit wonders. Right. That were great artists. Right. That right. just couldn't get to play for a follow-up record. Right. You know, right. come on, man! Twist and shout by the Beatles is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's you know, just trying to wait, start a fight with it. How you? How do you compare Twist and Shout by the Beatles and the Isley Brothers? Right, right. How, how do you compare Boys, which they did? The original was by the Shirelles. Right. Mm. I mean, yeah. you well, know. was it was it a threat to your career? Nah, mm-hmm. my kids. Listen, I tell you what happened. Dolly Banks, I was on a black station, WHAT, mm-hmm. said to me, Still even going to this listen, even Georgie. Woods was playing Georgia the Woods. Beatles. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Dolly said to me, DAS is playing. You're not playing. Why? I said, my audience doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear Jimmy Soul. They want to hear Gary U.S. Bonds. Mm-hmm. They want to hear the students. They want to hear the chiffons. Mm-hmm. Well, how can that be? I said, come into the studio when I do the radio show. She came into the studio. I said, kids, as you know, the hottest groups, pop, 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 the Beatles. They're not my cup of tea. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to play it. If you want me to play it, you let me know. I put her on the turntables. The phones lit up all throughout the whole station. Take it off. (laughs) (laughs) I said to Dolly, there There is the point. There's your proof. Okay. I've always been been a rebel in my entire life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you knew your audience, and you stuck to, you stuck to your I, guns. I, yeah. I know what I feel. Mm-hmm. If I feel it, I want to share it. That's the way it was in the Italian families. Mm-hmm. During the holidays, raviolis, brajol, sausage and peppers. Give this to Mrs. Panetti, mm-hmm. who's living next door. She's not feeling well. Give this to Mr. Alioli. He's not feeling well. And that's how you do that. That's what it's about. Share. Share. 
So I'd be remiss. I mean, I've, I've known about you since I've been born. My mm-hmm. parents are so into everything you were doing. I have to ask you, tell me about Wagner's. Because <laughs> Wagner's, man, when they talk about this, it's like the greatest moments well, of their life. Let, what is, yeah, let, break let that t- down Let for me tell you what happened. Before I came along, every disc jockey, Joe Niagara, High Lit, Bill Wright, they were all doing record hops. All of the Catholic schools have record hops on a Friday. Afternoon. What's a record hop? It's where you dance to records. Okay. Okay, at the hop. You could rock it, you could roll it, do the slop, and even stroll it at the hop, pop, pop. So You're going to cost us a fortune with these melodies when we get sued for this podcast. <laughs> so what happened is that when I went on radio, I was already doing dances in South Philadelphia at a place called the Dixon House. And whenever an artist would come in that I worked with on the road, they would come in and they would lip sync their record at my dance, Dixon House. When I went on the radio and all of a sudden this thing bust the gator, boom, I'm getting calls to do a record hop. I'm only doing it in South Philadelphia. There's a disc jockey by the name of Harvey, humble Harvey Miller, who was in my opinion, one of the best format disc jockeys. He had a set of pipes. He was doing a dance at a place called the Ice House in Jersey. They had maybe 500 kids. He got sick. Called me. He said, can you do this dance for me? I went on the radio. I said, Jan Teens, hark to the sound I'm putting down. I'm going to be with you at the Ice House. I want you to bop and stop and top. Join me. Lines around the block to get into this dance there must have been a thousand kids I said well here we go I'm going to do now what happened is these disc jockeys were getting two three hundred four hundred tops maybe five when I came along I'm getting a thousand I need a place big enough to hold a thousand to two thousand kids roller skating rink Shavu Ballroom, 69th and Market. Kids are not roller skating anymore. Teenagers aren't. The lady was a wonderful lady. She said to me, can we do something here? I said, yeah, we'll split 50-50. And we'll charge a dollar. Smash, 2,000 kids. Wagner's Ballroom was the old ballroom where you did ballroom dancing back in the 30s and the 40s. And where was this? Yeah, where's Broad Broad and Ollie. Oh, wow. Two blocks above Broad and Ollie. We went in there on a Sunday afternoon from 1962 to 1970. 2,000 kids from every neighborhood, black, Spanish, Italian, Jewish, no problem. Because if a kid got out of line... The other kids would come to me and say, watch out for the guys from South Philly. They're going to get into a beef with the kids from North Philly. Okay, it's not going to happen. I would grab one of the guys, and i say, if I bar you, you'll never be able to come back into these dances. You'll be on the outside looking in. Right. <laughs> and that's how... Well, we got we, a thousand women in here. Right. A thousand women, right. teenage yeah, right, girls right, right, in here. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's how it began. Yeah, man. They, Unheard of. They speak so highly of the Knights of Wagners. Well, you know, all these other guys hated me. Because before I came along, they were making a little bit of money. Me, my career was, I was making. You wiped them out, Jerry. Just say it. (laughs) I was making $125,000 a year. Jesus. In the 60s? In the 60s. Oh, man. man. Inflation. That's, I don't even want to do the math. High Lit had three jobs. High Lit had three jobs, I heard back then. Listen, he had, (laughs) for something. Why do you think you were more popular at the time? Because the kids identified with me. I looked like a kid. I spoke like a kid. I went to the schools and I spoke to the kids at the assemblies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke. I spoke from my heart. I mean, I, you know, I you know, you know how many gang fights I stopped. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. So, because I asked my mom and my aunt, I was like, "What made you? Why you not high litter or the other guys back then?" And uh, this is what I got. So, well, they loved your love songs. For your lovers slow only. dances. They yeah. said you picked out the best yeah. slow dance yeah. songs. But they also said you were just fun. It was like you were throwing a great party, and you were part of the party, and everyone was just I was a part fun. of a kid. I looked like them. <laughs> I danced like them. Right, right. I thought like them. Right. 
I mean, and and you, had could, the, you had that loyalty. I mean, right. you read business books now, and they say the first hundred people are the most. The hundred people that come back again are the most important people. You can have a million fans, but if they only buy once, that's going to fade out. But right. if you have a hundred people that keep coming back, and Jerry, you've had people coming back for 50, 60, 50, years, 60 now. years. Listen, yeah. they were Yon teens. I called them Beyond Yon teens. <laughs> is, that, is that how that started? The yeah, Yon teens, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that came from Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. When I went on radio, as I said, I used to buy these comic books, Ivanhoe, okay? And Jan lies Ivanhoe mm-hmm. and Sir Walter Scott by beep da bop da bop So I just couldn't say, hey, oh, all right, you kids. Right. I'm not like Captain Kangaroo. All right, <laughs> <laughs> kids. So I had to say, Jan teenagers. Right. All of you that are listening to me are Jan out there, right. but you're my Jan teenagers. Jan, beyond, mm-hmm. there they go. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know until today that basically, like, we owe Mountain Dew to you. Yahoo! <laughs> Do you know this? I, I didn't know that. What you know is this? this? Yeah, yeah, tell this. My, yeah. Well, what happened? When I went on yeah. television... Yeah, this is great. This is okay. This is first of all, this is a two-parter. I was a fan of Mountain Dew. What's the last time you got? Yeah, okay. Wait, I was a fan of Mountain Dew. So what? What happened was this: I produced this show. I get a call from Mel Corn, who's got Pepsi Cola. Wants to see me. He says, "We have eleven bottlers here. Parent company is Pepsi Cola. They got Pepsi Cola and everything else. We have a drink here, Mountain Dew." None of the independent bottlers want to touch it. I said, let me see it. <laughs> I look at it. It's got a can, Mountain Dew. I go to taste it. Oh, my God. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the kids in the stands. I want to do the live commercial. I want you to give me a corn cob pipe and an old Ozark hat. I want all the kids to have that. And I'm going to say, Yon teens, take a tip from the geek. This is the brand new soft drink for all Yon teenagers. If you want to rock and roll with me, you need something sweet to be mighty meat with the petite. Ready? Here we go. Yahoo! <laughs> These kids, everybody's doing Yahoo! It's Mountain Dew. It's good for you. They bought the show, they bought it for a year. It became the big, and it was they they didn't have bottles. Yeah, it was cans. It was cans. They didn't have bottles. Every one of the independent bottlers with Pepsi picked it up. It became the biggest soft drink for the summer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now this is even better. By the way, just uh, the Ozark thing for people who don't know, Mountain Dew was slang for moonshine. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh. That's why I came up with Yahoo. Right. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mountain Dew. Yeah. Good <laughs> for you. It, it I had never a little. Knew that that's what it, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. But listen, it, it had a little edge to it. You understand for the young teens. Right, you know? right, right, right. But my kids were neighborhood kids, man. They didn't come from rich families and mm-hmm. things like that. They right. were they were just good kids, black. Spanish, Italian, mm. Jewish, I mean, and you got to understand something. You talked about the dancers. Before they realized that I wasn't a bad guy, the parents, they didn't want their kids to go to the dance. They wanted them to go to the high lit dance or that dance. They didn't realize until they found out that, hey, this guy's the real deal. Right, right, you right, know? right. So I've noticed that relationships seem to be the most important thing. Like, you've built so many great relationships and that's kind of carried you well, that, because yeah. you know you don't want anything right you just want to you want people to be people people to be happy yeah. people to feel comfortable yeah I mean I've been Sinatra I've Elvis mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know they, they've I looked at them as talented wonderful people mm-hmm. I never was in awe mm-hmm. of them right, I right. respected their talent mm-hmm. I respected their I was never a hanger on right. mm-hmm. I mean they call me up Sammy called me where Rocky leaves at 3 in the morning come on over mm-hmm. Frank would be there I'd be there Jilly would be there mm-hmm. it's honesty and respecting the space the other person has right. that's simple now how did that transfer over into like the more uh, street guys like Bruno and all the mother- listen to me they were no different than me yeah I mean I don't know what they did that was none of my business right. they were neighbor mm-hmm. people right you know, nobody questioned. I never questioned what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you could be a truck driver. I'm accepting you. Mm-hmm. Hey, my man, you're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Right. You give me your hand, I shake your hand. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put up, you're going to throw a punch, I'm going to punch you first. <laughs> <laughs> I you would know. never, sir. I would no, never. No, but, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't judge by what people say. Mm-hmm. 
I judge by what I find them to be with me. For sure. Right. And you were you were friends with Bruno in the 70s, right? My mother, listen to me. My mother and Angela's wife were from the same town in Italy. I knew Angelo in the book. There was a problem with my father where the Italians, the Capuanas, beat him up. It's in the book. Yeah, yeah. My father was Jewish. Mm-hmm. They had a sit-down. My father was with Nick Rosen, with the Jewish element. Mm-hmm. Okay? Cappy Hoffman, Shorty Feldman, all of these guys. And serious, serious guys. Right. Yeah. And it was a sit-down between what was going to happen with the Italian faction. Angelo, at that time, was a captain. He knew my mother went to him. And Angelo said, listen, this is not about business. He was bright, intelligent. He said, this has got nothing to do about business. This is a family situation. Gimp, stay away from the Italians. The Italians will stay away from you. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I've seen you. You've been the Geeter since. I saw a bandstand clip with Dick Clark where you're like 16 and already the Geeter. Jerry, are you in this hassle with the crazy one here? All right. Cherry Blanet. And what do you do, sir? Geeter with the heater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so how'd that come about? Well, because when I went on radio... And what, yeah, what's that name representing? Okay, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there was Georgie Woods, the man with the goods. There was Jock with the ace from outer yes. space. There was Lloyd Fatman, John Bandy, mm-hmm. Sir Lancelot. I just couldn't be Jerry Blavitt. Mm-hmm. So the phones would be ringing off the, off the hook. I'm playing oldies, mm-hmm. which to the kids at that time, brand new. <laughs> so I said, this is crazy. I never started to be a disc jockey. I'm at the end of the dial, and these kids are surfing the dial. What makes sense... An analogy. Uh, wait, in Florida, you go to Florida, there's an alligator. It lays in the mud. You think it's sleeping. You go near it, it's going to snatch you yeah, up. Yeah, man. So here am I at the end of the dial. Mm-hmm. I got these kids. Yeah. Alligator, gator, cook it. It can't be an alligator, a gator, a meter, a gator. A gator. gator. I'm going to be the gator. <laughs> the alligator. Now, what makes sense? I'm playing raucous rock and roll and the kids are making dedications and that single daytime is taking and he's got the phone over here he said the parents are hollering turn that down turn that down I said that's it when you're a kid you're on the corner you're freezing a guy comes up in a car you jump in his car you say to the guy turn the heater up that's right then five, ten minutes, it's too hot. Turn the heater down. The parents are saying, turn this guy down. Mm-hmm. I'm the heater with, with the, the hot heat. heater. <laughs> the hot heater is the record meter and the teeter. <laughs> and I'm the boss with the hot sauce. <laughs> the heater with the heater, the hot heater, the boss with the hot sauce. That's the music right. coming out of the turntables. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You, you, you've this been, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, you're, we're going on again. Next year is sixty freaking years. Yeah, like you, you still digging it? You still love doing? If, you still love going to memories? Listen, you still love doing shows? Or listen, are you like, all right, I'm just going to no, play some records tonight? Let me tell you, all of my life, I've done what I felt. As long as I feel good, as long as they want to see, hear, do what I do, I'll be around. When it comes to the point that, you know, I'm not. I can't do it anymore. Health-wise, you can't do it. When it comes to the point, but I'll always entertain. I'll always entertain. I wrote the book. They're talking about a screenplay right now. Yes. So it needs to be one. Man. You know, I, mean, I, mean, I write screenplays. You know. So if you need a writer, let me know. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I want to get into business with the, with the Geeter. Yeah, where yeah. to shoot your shot. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever look back and just like, obviously, it's hard work. Obviously, it's it's uh, talent. But do you ever look and think it's more of a divine thing that you keep finding yourself? I've, listen, in these I've had a guardian angel. Yeah, watch over me. Because your life is not—it's no. not a normal life. Listen, now. <laughs> I, uh, listen. In the book, I almost got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. They thought I was hit. I rolled over. My mother came screaming. It was a guardian angel. Yeah, I've yeah. R- right underneath the big Buicks. I've been in situations with the heart. Okay, where I had a situation where I went down. They had opened me up. You know, to fix the hole in the heart. So I, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah. God puts everybody here for a reason. Mm-hmm. 
We do not know why, but the reason is to be you. And when you find a passion that you love, do it. You ain't never going to see a Brinks truck following a funeral procession. Ah, so that. it's not about money. Mm-hmm. It's about love what you do. Because if you love what you do, you'll be successful. Maybe not by the eyes of the world. Yeah. But in your eyes, you're successful. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got to go to the blunt yeah. now. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I love That's it. it. Right. So we do a, we do a, a final segment yep. called the Philly Blunt, where we just ask you... Rapid fire, first thing that comes to your mind, Good. boom. Yeah. All right, here we go. What is one thing still on your bucket list? I really don't know. He's getting hookers and Chuck Berry. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, Fly to the moon? <laughs> I don't I, I don't need anything. The bucket list is for me to get the movie done. I mean, you know, okay. I'll get it done. All right, all right. You know. Favorite artist that people would be shocked that you are into. You know, it's like asking me. I said to Smokey, Smokey, what's your I favorite song? Like yeah. I said to Smokey. I mean, and Smokey said, Geeter, it's like asking you, what's your favorite song? Yeah, right, I right, mean, right, right, right. Favorite artist, favorite artist. Not favorite artist, favorite artist that people be like, oh, Jerry Blair listens to this guy. Like, I think people have an idea that oh, he's I, just no, Motown. No, I, I, I like Michael Bobet. Oh, yeah. great artist, yeah. great artist. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah, because he's, he's a throw of, of what it he's is. He's got that old Sinatra style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, if you have to do one dance only. Jitterbug. No, no, no. I got a choice. The Widener Walk or the Bristol Stomp? Wagner Walk. Because that's a tough one to do. If you can do that, you're a star. The Widener Walk? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. At Bat Music. You're on the Phillies. You're on the Phillies. Right. And you're coming up to bat. Now what are you, what's batting. Gonna, what's, what's gonna Geeter. <laughs> Jerry Blavitt. No. What, what's your at bat music? going to get you pumped up to come Heat to wave. bat? Heat da, 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 da. Or Jam Up by Tommy Ridgely. Okay. Yeah. You got to listen to Jam Up. Yeah. That was the theme for the discophonic scene. Tommy Ridgely did it in 1952. Tommy Ridgely discovered Irma Thomas, mm-hmm. New Orleans, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. It opens up. And I'd start dancing, man. Jam up. Got to get that record. You'll love it. Okay. Yeah. Favorite place to eat in Philadelphia, past, present, or now? Future. Man, I I float. I mean, I go to Italian restaurants. I don't eat a lot. Yeah. I can tell you, you're a trim guy. Trim guy, very healthy. Yeah. Rolling Stones or Beatles? Rolling Stones. Yeah. Give us a group or artist that you think is severely underrated and one that you think is severely overrated. Today? Uh, Of all time. All time. All time. Underrated. The Rascals were. Okay. Yeah, I think that if they didn't break up, okay. I mean, there's so many groups back then. I mean, I think the Isley Brothers were underrated. Underrated. I mean, they, they had a soul. You know. Ernie Osley's one of the most underrated guitar players. Listen, I go back with the whole family. I go yeah. back with Kelly, Rudy. I mean, I go back with Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there were so many, you know, and I think that female, I mean, Irma Thomas, I mean, you know, Etta James. I mean, you know, there was a soul. You see, you got to understand, back in the day, they didn't have the national distribution. Mm-hmm. That RCA, Mercury, MGM, Capitol Records, they had national distribution, you see. These were little labels that produced the best music, you know. What's your best advice about love? Take it every day the way you can take it. Every day. Are you a um, wire ball or half ball guy? Half ball. (laughs) You can book any band or artist for your upcoming 80th birthday. Who's it going to be? <laughs> Sammy Davis. <laughs> no. Who would it be? It'd be me just dancing. Mm. You know, yeah. that's that's Books it. Himself. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna do anything differently than I've done all these years. So yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the people come to be a part of the party that I represent. Yeah. I don't need see when I do the Kimmel show, that's a special show. Because I produced that show. And that's the one coming up on January, January 25th. 25th. Yeah, we're going to push that, that's too, the, with the book. What, we're going to push that That's party the 41st also. show. 41st mm-hmm. show. Completely sold out. 
But I take all of the rock and roll stars, Darlene Love, mm-hmm. The Temps, we've used, we've used, after 40 shows, we've used everybody. But I put them in a venue like a concert hall with a 40-piece orchestra. Mm-hmm. Mike McCord, who gave up the money for Chuck Berry, the five yeah. Gs and brought him in, mm-hmm. is the musical director who takes the exact record and then applies it to strings, mm-hmm. 40-piece that's the real secret. None of these artists would ever be able to go mm-hmm. into a hall like Kimmel Center mm-hmm. or Carnegie Hall with a 40-piece orchestra. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So this is my last one. Someone's never been to this city before. Tell them about it in one sentence. The city is a city of brotherly love. You can see it in the faces of people with a smile. Mm. Every neighborhood is rich in tradition, whether it's North Philly, West Philly, South Philadelphia. When you come into the city, visit 9th Street, visit 2nd Street, visit South Street. See what it's all about. It's about people coming together, and we need more of that today. And he was without sin, cast the first stone. Correct. Okay, it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, so you're the boss with the hot sauce. So we had a listener and wanted me to ask you what your favorite hot sauce is. <laughs> Tabasco sauce. <laughs> but I used to get the real hot sauce at the rib joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fats Domino. There you go. Used to call me and say, Gita, <laughs> give me that hot sauce. It was on South Street between yeah. 17th and 18th. Okay. It was called Lawnside Ribs. Ben's Ribs, Lawnside. Yep. What's... You know, you, you've traveled in all these different worlds, you know, in all these different decades with different styles of music, everything. Like, what's, what's some advice that you would give to, say, 20-year-old you? If you've found something that you like, don't be dissuaded. Go for it. You will find out if you're suited for it. Something inside of you will tell you. Don't let that passion go until you find out it was a wrong move. Life is made up of many roads. Sometimes it takes a long time to find the right road. It's just like finding a woman. You gotta go. Love that goes bad is like a bus. Get off the bus, wait on the corner, another bus comes by. <laughs> it ain't gonna be a streamline, but it's gonna take you where you wanna go. That's right. I think we're good on that. Yeah, I don't yeah. even remember what I was going to yeah. ask. We're yeah. good after that one. That was yeah. great. All right, yeah, Thanks, let's sir. give it up. Man. I mean, I can't believe yeah. we just, that was. Nice work. <laughs> my <laughs> man. Yeah. Thank you. The heater with the heater, the boss yeah. with the hot sauce. Yeah, the crowd Thank is applauding you. at O'Neill's. Thanks, O'Neill's for hosting us again. They always come through when we need them. Yeah. Nice, friendly bar on Third Street, just south of South. You are a class act. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. This is my pleasure. Just the sound of Philadelphia. Brothers covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.